0: Isaac here with Civil Engineering Academy, jumping on real quick with another fun podcast episode. Thank you so much for those that support us, Uh, you know, listen to us on YouTube or find us on any podcast platform. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Excited to be with you. If you need help with anything to deal with your exams, the FE or PE, please check out our website, civilengineeringacademy.com. We even have stuff like uh, study groups that you can join, practice exams, including an FECBT exam simulator, stuff like that. So go check it out if you need help with your exams and things of that nature. Uh, Today I'm way overdressed, but that's okay, that's good. It's good to look look good. Uh, But today I actually bring uh, my brother, Mark, back on as a structural engineer that is neck deep into designing structures and elements that deal with uh, all kinds of structural elements. I wanted him to come on to talk about the recent building collapse in Florida, the Surfside, Florida condo collapse that recently just happened on June 24th. At about 1.30 in the morning, the 12-story building collapsed, and it caused almost 100 people to die, which is very unfortunate and very sad. Um, And they tried to rescue people. It was a big mess. But I bring Mark on to share his opinions about what happened, kind of the history of this thing, the reports that were written about it, and what can be done in the future so we can help prevent it. So this is a fun topic to talk about in terms of understanding the collapse itself, Um, but this is something that's gonna go in textbooks uh, in the future for sure, along with all the other disasters that have happened uh, in the past that you typically start studying as a student so that you can prevent them in the future. So with that, Uh, Hopefully, everybody can learn a little bit more today about the building collapse that happened in Florida. Uh, I know for me, it was an interesting topic to discuss and learn more about, and I think you will too. So uh, we got to learn from the past and make things better in the future. That's a professional's engineer's code of ethics to design things that are structurally safe and uh, pay attention to the signs when things are failing and do something about about it. So, anyway, with that introduction, let's get to the interview with Mark Oakson. It's coming right up. All right, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of a Civil Engineering Academy podcast. Mark, I bring you back on. What's going on? Hey, bro. It's going great. What's Glad new to be here there?
1: again. Yep, it's good to be here again.
0: Well, uh, we're happy you're here, and uh, I wanted to bring you on to talk about our Surfside Florida condos. It's been all over the news for some time now, but as a structural engineer that actually works on similar projects, things of this nature, I wanted to bring you on and maybe talk about, in your opinion, the things that happened uh, at this condo tower collapse, because I think it's helpful to understand um, the properties that maybe concrete exhibits and, and still exhibits to give us warning signs Uh, before stuff like this happens uh, because this is a horrible thing
1: yeah and so uh, being a a structural engineer and I primarily deal with structural concrete in my career um, yeah you hate to you hate to see these kind of things happen of course first priority is you know uh, consideration for the individuals that lost their lives in this horrible event that happened but um, I mean this thing happened like. You know, it was 25 a.m., this 12-story building just collapsed, and uh, it was, what, June 24th that uh, that it happened of, of this year. And um, as of July 7th, they stopped the rescue operations, and then they changed it to recovery operation. Um, and then, you know, searches for victims actually stopped back in on July 23rd. Um, and uh, they just, they sifted through the rubble as much as they could to to find remains and try to establish identity of any individuals that were lost in the, in the tragedy. But yeah, just a, just a horrible deal. It's, it's really, it, Isaac, it's recognized as like the, the third deadliest structural collapse. So if you'll recall, it's a, you know, a lot of, a lot of case history. We, you know, when you're taking your structural design classes, sometimes they bring up the old classics you know uh, structural failures um there's the tacoma narrows bridge that's always a fun one that everybody calls up and you yep. know um there was the higher regency walkway collapse in kansas city back in 1981. Um, i remember studying that one
0: yeah sharing
1: and there's been um there was a really old one back in 1860 that was a pemberton mill where 145 people died so um you know, if you look at uh, the history of structural performance, I mean, that's if you, if you like statistically compare that, it's not so bad, but any, any incident like this is a tragedy. And obviously we try to try to avoid it. Right. Yeah. I think it's a horrible
0: situation. Obviously it's not good. Um, I, I'm always curious about what they do when they investigate these kind of things, but before we maybe even talk about that, maybe we can walk through maybe how this was designed. I know they're calling these the Champlain Towers and they were actually built in 1981 by a group of developers. Um, and we've noted this, that uh, as part of a three building complex with each building constructed to 12 stories tall. Yeah. And uh, these drawings were produced in 1979 under the UBC or the uniform building code so how does you know how does that relate to maybe the way things might be designed today um in terms of that well back
1: in those days remember that uh ASD um was the primary method of of design so allowable allow-
0: strength design.
1: allowable stress design yeah and so What you would do is figure what kind of stress a member, uh, you know, for example, a beam was capable of resisting. And then you'd back it off a little bit by using um, a factor of safety. Um, And it wasn't it's still actually allowed uh, today. You can engineers can still use. uh, ASD to design their buildings, Um, they have to stay within. I'd say some more, uh, parameters than they used to. Um, but you know, nowadays, uh, everything is, is per strength design, primarily,
0: um, LRFD, um, load resistance factor design.
1: Yes. Which uses more of i I'll call it a stochastic kind of an approach, uh, more probability of failure, kind of a, an approach where, and you know what I'm talking about, Isaac, where they use mm-hmm. these uh, limit states, right? To uh, figure out what the uh, nominal strength is of a member. And then they back it down by a fee factor, right? Depending on yeah. how much, uh, what the
0: chances are of failure. Um, and I believe the whole idea of that, though, is that we're designing a more economical design. Well, uh, exactly. With LRFD.
1: Yes. And so. You could argue that because this was UBC, that probably there were some components that may have been designed more conservatively than maybe maybe we'd have
0: today. Um, so, so um, just talking about the codes, our understanding is that this was built according to the code that it was needed to, to be designed to.
1: Yes, yes, and I haven't
0: heard anything that. I mean,
1: there's there's always. Um, you know, that gets questioned. The design gets questioned when something mm-hmm. like this happens, of course, and it should. Um, but um everything that I've heard is uh that, you know, there's there's nothing, there isn't a smoking gun that says that uh, this building, um, even though it was designed for the UBC of nineteen seventy-nine, was not actually constructed for that for that code. Um gotcha. I don't think there was any shoddy construction. At least there isn't anything that was pointing to that, but um, but I mean, they had lots of investigations. The, the concrete was actually exhibiting warning signs just like it was supposed to. So there was uh, some, you know, investigations, structural investigations that were done, and they, they determined that the waterproofing layer at the pool um, wasn't sloped sufficiently. And so it would constantly, Uh, The the water from the pool was constantly standing on on that pool deck and just allowed to sit there. And concrete is porous. It's a porous material. And so it'll soak up water. We deal with that kind of issue on parking structures all the time in corrosive environments. You get the de-icing salts and those kind of things dripping off of cars uh, as they park into the, the parking structure. And then the concrete's porous and it kind of soaks it up. And then when it gets down to the reinforcing steel, salt, uh, you know, on steel is just, I mean, it's like a corrosion accelerator. It just really, really starts rolling, you know?
0: It's not and so, good.
1: so this water, um, I don't, I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure if it was a saltwater pool, it could have been, uh, which would have even worsened the, uh, the situation.
0: Yeah, it would be good. Yeah. I don't but, know either what kind of pool it was, uh, but. Obviously, water and whatever chemicals you've got in the water plus concrete, if it wasn't designed to try to resist that stuff, at least the best that it can, not that it
1: totally yeah. stops
0: it. But if you're not preventing it, it just accelerates it.
1: Exactly. And so and it's, those, it's those chlorides that really like just kill, kill it. And so over the years, the water just kind of percolated through the concrete. It got to the rebar it started corroding the rebar. And then everybody started noticing spalling concrete, right? So spalling concrete is where it just kind of pops off in chunks Mm -hmm. and when rebar rusts, it expands. And so not only does expanding rebar pop off concrete, which compromises the structural section, right? The cross section of whatever structural member is being damaged with the water, it compromises that, but it also, Takes away the bond right between the steel and the
0: concrete. If you've uh,
1: noticed a piece of
0: rebar, it's got little deformations on it, right? Yeah. And I've seen this all the time in like short little retaining walls and in like parking places or um, bridges, uh, pedestrian bridges too. You can see concrete that's like falling off where you've got salt and water over time just wanting to corrode that thing so
1: yeah sounds like
0: similar situation here
1: yes and then and then not only does it like compromise that bond between the rebar and the concrete but it also starts compromising the actual cross-section of the steel the rebar right yep and if and if you can remember back uh your your concrete design class Isaac um you know the the area of the rebar is a big structural property right yes it is as As you're you're, as you're going through your yeah your structural design and so if that cross section of steel is compromised then the amount of tension that that steel can absorb uh, is lessened right and so years and years of corrosion compromising the the structural section there, um, it just and and then the same uh, dead and live loads that are continuously being imposed on that pool deck. I mean, it just eventually it 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 starts sagging, right? They see the spalled concrete, the structural members start sagging and giving you the warning signs, which that's what they're supposed to do. And if nobody reacts in time and and makes those structural repairs before something bad happens, why we kind of get what, uh, what we had at Surfside, Florida going on.
0: Um, so, um, we mentioned the warning signs that happen and those are kind of built into our, you know, to the design process, but with this particular one, there were investigations made, uh, sounds like there were some reports made a few times with some suggestions on what to repair and what to do and the cost of that. So, and what what did you discover on um, those reports that were developed for that when did they come out with those well i
1: found i from what i've read i it, uh,
0: it it seems to me that there
1: was there was enough investigations going on at least structural investigations i would say competent structural investigations that were going on because of the uh the alarming nature of uh you know the uh the impending collapse that was there. But, um, what I would think what happened here is that, um, it was, it was kind of resistance from, from the ownership, right. Of the condominium They're they're, they're looking at, uh, the, the repair was assessed at about $15 million, uh, which is a big nickel, um, on a, uh, a condominium of this size. Um, and it was also going to impose a huge, um, I don't know, it was going to be a big uh, imposition on the uh, the residents of of this condominium. They were they were going to probably get uh, displaced for a little bit. I mean, to make repairs like that, you have to displace, first of all, everybody uh, from the parking garage area, that deck that was supporting the pool. Get everybody, you know, that nobody could park down there. Um, there was probably a good structural integrity in the tower itself. So they would have had to have displaced everybody down below. And I'm not sure what other spaces were below grade down there, mm-hmm. um, but it was just a big inconvenience, right? So you've got this, this structural failure that's about to happen. The concrete is exhibiting warning signs, telling everybody it's it's going to happen. we got to make the repairs. You've got a reluctant owner that's kind of like, man, this is going to cost a lot of money. It's going to displace all my tenants. It's going to be a pain. I don't want to deal with this. And so there's just kind of a reluctant you know, process. It's slow to get started, and they just didn't get after it quick enough. But they should have gotten everybody out of the parking structure below. They should have got that whole deck shored up with some big heavy steel shoring. And they should have uh, started the structural repair. Um, before all this happened you know but hindsight's 2020
0: right so i'm just curious um with hindsight being 2020 though how i mean what could be done to avoid this in the future when when someone else does an investigation of a property maybe it's one that's already right there in florida maybe it's next to this one who knows um you know where the next one is going to be but uh I mean, would you recommend not only doing a uh, an assessment like they did, but it sounds like really what needs to happen is just that action needs to take place a little sooner than, than well uh, what was discovered.
1: So, yeah, so when when a structural engineer makes an assessment, you know, a, a competent structural engineer makes his assessment and gives you gives you the warning. I mean, uh, as a property owner, you ought to take it seriously, is what is what this means and um
0: yeah well in terms of timeline though mark we i mean the information you're sharing i think it was from a 2021 report but they had a report back in 2018 that yes kind of identified the problem
1: back then. yeah but but they still hadn't put a price on what the what the repair would be right hmm. so i gotta believe they got the report and then the owner was a little bit reluctant in 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 reacting right to the report and he thought you know man well, i guess we better get some some estimates done from some uh construction and some uh some repair type uh, contractors that can help us with this problem and he just didn't know i mean and kind of in his defense he just didn't know what the what the magnitude of the repair was going to be which i'm sure is why he was a little reluctant in um because uh, assessing a repair like this i mean it takes a while just to make the assessment right you can go underneath and see that the pool deck is sagging, but it's a whole nother thing to have an official report done uh, where a structural engineer makes a full investigation. I mean, he has to take measurements. Um, there, some of those measurements uh, take time to make, right? If he's starting to measure deflections over over a certain time period, maybe he's putting strain gauges on different things and trying to make all his measurements. I mean, that takes some time, too. Hmm. Um, and so I think, uh, it, it just, it just took time. The wheels were slow in, in turning all of this. And then an owner is not going to want to make a decision until he has a price in front of him, but he can't get a price generated from a competent contractor until the structural assessment is done. And the scope of the repair has been defined, right? So yeah. it just takes some time to get all that put together. So. Unfortunately, what, what should have happened is um, they should have gotten everybody out from under there, like I said, before any structural repair had to happen. And, and they should have got that pool deck shored up so that it could have, uh, you know, resisted some additional load and not not failed um, like it did. They could have shored that up before it, it all came down and bought them some more time to, uh, you know, maybe put some numbers on the repair costs and um, and kept everybody safe. In hindsight, that's what should have happened. But
0: Well, it's all unfortunate. Um, these cases are obviously going to be in some textbook in the future is something to learn from. Um, but it's always interesting to hear out, you know, what, what's going on in the current events of today, um, how these things are investigated. I, I'm not sure. I mean, Mark, how do how do they investigate these things? Um, well, to really find out what happened, I know you have these reports, and and the, I think they're probably yeah. Not like so before they
1: have them. before the building falls down, it's relatively easy, right, to to do a structural assessment because you can the, the building's up, right? You can you can make your measurements, you can take your your surveying shots, you can uh, you know paste your strain gauges in, in key locations, you know, all those things can happen, but post collapse, man, it's just, it's tough because you're dealing with just a pile of of rubble and twisted rebar. And I mean, you can go back and you can like see maybe if rebar like the number of bars or, you know, on a structural member, a column, or maybe a, a shear wall. Um, that maybe the number of bars was was there um but man after everything's come down it's just you're just, just a pile of powder i mean think about the 9-11 it collapses and that that was a structural steel building and the and the uh, the floors were uh, uh were concrete um they were i think they were composite decks on that one and so you can see just the pile of rubble so it just kind of rubbleizes the concrete it almost turns it to to powder when it's uh, enough of a force that it just compresses that concrete so much it grinds it to a powder and so in that in that mess in that pile of rubble it's just Good it's luck. just tough it's tough to make a structural assessment so the most valuable thing they've got is like the footage they've got some security camera footage of how the the collapse started in the center of the building, and then there was a section behind the center of, of the collapse, which was like a a shear wall. Once that pulled away, then there was nothing linking that uh that east tower to the west tower, and then it just came down as well. Cause uh that makes sense. It just toppled over. But but the short answer is it's just it's tough after a building's
0: already come down to to make an assessment, <laughs> it really is. Got it. So. Well, this has been very insightful for me. Um, obviously, there's news reports about it, but it's a, about it. But it's always fun to hear when you know somebody's in the trenches and and doing and designing this stuff. How you hear about it and what your assessment is of the whole thing. So um, yeah. that's what's fun to for me to talk about. It's a very unfortunate event. Like I said, I'm sure it'll be studied for a long time and thrown in a textbook somewhere in the future. So yeah, um, that's just,
1: that's just my assessment. You know, I haven't been involved with every, every single detail,
0: but as I look at it, that's, that's what I think happened. Sounds good. So,
1: yeah,
0: well, Mark, thanks for jumping on, sharing your story, sharing your opinions about things, appreciate it. It's always fun you to bet. bring you back on and talk about stuff. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, Isaac. All right, thank you. We'll see you in the next one. See ya. Bye.